for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk Radio. Thank you so much for being here. Excited as always to have two fantastic guests lined up to talk about talent, to find out what talented people are doing and thinking about, uh, and of course, hopefully learn something. Um, you know, the Talent Talk really, uh, the show is deeply in, in, ingrained in this idea that there are people that we can learn from, that there are people we can, uh, you know, take something that they're doing really, really well, maybe start to do it well ourselves or be able to help an employee or to, to help manage our people better. And we've been able to have some fantastic conversations over the years uh, and been able to do that. Uh, the show is uh, being broadcast live on LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, as well as uh, we turn this into a podcast after the fact. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. So if you want to see us, lots of cool places to do that. If you just want to hear us, lots of places as well. The trick is to subscribe so that you don't ever have to miss a show. You always get alerted and know what's going on. Now, we've had so many great stories over the years. I've been able to throw some of those into my uh, two of my uh, best-selling books, The Power of Company Culture and my newest book, Remote Work. Don't forget to check those out on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Um, it should be pretty easy to find it if you have an Amazon or if you don't have Amazon, wherever you buy it, it should be there. Uh, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and uh, we'd love to have you be a part of the conversation. So if you're listening live, uh, you whether on one of those platforms I mentioned earlier, or if you just want to go to Twitter, you can ask us questions, follow the, ha the, the handle at PeopleG2, or follow the hashtag Talent Talk. My social media coordinator, Angela, is there feverishly tweeting, commenting, as well as collecting all of your comments and questions and trying to feed them into me if we can get them into the show live. Or if we can't, it's always great to keep the conversation going on all those platforms, wherever you may be. Uh, I'm sure our guests would love to, to hear from you. Speaking of my guests, well, now we'll get through the business. My guests today include Bob Nelson, president of Nelson Motivation Inc., best-selling author and uh, leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in Roberto Motson. Uh, Matsuna, maybe said that quietly, incorrectly, talent maximizer and president at uh, Matsusun Consulting. But let's go ahead and uh, get to the uh, to our first guest, uh, Dr. Bob. Welcome to the show. Do you prefer Bob, Dr. Bob? What's the best thing for that? Whatever you want to call me works. Thanks. All Chris. right. Well, that's dangerous. Uh oh. <laughs> so like I said, you're the president of Nelson uh, Motivation, your leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. Uh, you're a Marshall Goldsmith 100 coach member, which, uh, we've had him on the show quite a few times. He's a good guy, but he actually wrote the forward to my uh, most recent book. So glad to see you're connected with Marshall. Uh, and, and of course you are a best-selling author of work made fun gets done an easy way to boost energy, morale, and results. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself? What's important for us to know? Yeah, get that book up there. Uh, what's important for us to know about you, uh, about what you're doing, uh, especially as it relates to, um, you know, motivation, to recognition? Uh, what, what's the story we should know that maybe what I left out so far? Sure. Well, that, this is actually my 31st book. Wow. <clears throat> and so I've been a lot of swings at the plate and um, have collectively sold about 5 million copies of my books in aggregate. This book just recently came out. And they're all, you know, someone told me that every author's 
writing the same book over and over. And I kind of believe that. I think it's out of the same cut of the cloth. I, I wrote uh, 25 years ago, I wrote a book, 1,001 Ways to Reward Employees, uh, about uh, the common sense notion of thanking people <laughs> that uh, is so easy, so powerful, yet so rarely done um, in, in, my, in my research. And actually, I, I did my doctoral uh, dissertation on, on that topic of why managers don't make better use of employee recognition. And, and um, I book before this was A Thousand One Ways to Engage Employees, of, of which um, all my books are research-based. That uh, presents the, the most uh, driving factors for engaged employees. And, and the first was recognition, and the second is career development, and, and, uh, and so it goes through the book. Um, and, and so this, this latest book, Work Made Fun Gets Done, is, is kind of a piece of that same puzzle. And that, again, a common sense notion, making, having fun at work and right. overcoming the, the notion that, you know, from that a lot of people, a lot of executives still hold that, you know, we pay you to work, have fun on your own time, do that on the weekend. And, and that, that was good when, when our weekend was really separate from our work, but for most people, the whole thing's merged. And so I don't know anyone right. that doesn't do emails at night or on the weekend or on vacation. I was just on vacation and I worked from there. I actually did some broadcasts from there. And so it's, it's uh, a blessing and a curse, I guess. Uh, and, and so as we're, we're draw from people during their own time, we need to allow them to have a little bit more fun in the work they're doing. You, you mentioned a lot of interesting things there that really resonated with me. I mean, first was just this common sense notion of saying thank you. And, you know, I, I've noticed for my organizations and those that I've worked with, that is the simplest and best. And for any of you CEOs out there, cheapest way to, to deal with recognition is find and systematically create a way that's easy and, and, and repeatable for people to, when do we say thank you? How do we say thank you? What's the right way for our organization, for our team, whatever, right? And instead of it happening, I guess, sort of accidentally, you yeah, know? Once a year, end of the year, Right. Or, or around things that don't matter about performance, like birthdays and yeah. years of service. There, there's so so um, many organizations do recognition out of the 1940s, you know, that uh, are, are around um, events and and anniversaries and not around performance. So the best the best recognition today is around performance that makes a difference for your mutual success. Second, so yeah. be career objectives that could be core values of the organization. It could be strategic objectives. And I, I find as, as straightforward as that is, most companies don't do that. It's, it feels too messy to them or, or whatnot. And so they end up uh, doing recognition very passively on, on a schedule as opposed to based on performance. Um, and so a you know, quick way to, to fix that is, as you said, just just start making it a habit to thank people when they do something well. And, and some managers are afraid to do that because of, oh, they're going to ask for more money and uh, maybe they will. But um, in my experience, most times that's not the driver that <laughs> it, it's no. in it of itself, a motivator. In fact, I've, I've uh, spoken thousands of times around the country and around the world. And I often do a quick exercise and just say, hey, think of a time you felt valued, excited to be at work and what happened that made you feel that way. And, and 99 plus percent of the responses that come up are someone is thanked for something they did, uh, did well. Maybe even they were paid to do it, but they still were thanked in addition. And often that's a, a comment, could be a comment in the hallway, could be an email, could be something said before the management team. But uh, all of it tends to be very simple, intangible, no cost type things. Yeah. And, and that's... Uh, you know, and yet, and yet that, you know, only 12% of employees today say that they get meaningful recognition for work well done. Although 80% although of managers think they're pretty good at it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's kind of a knowing doing gap. We know it's people are important, but in our, sometimes in our head, we do it. We go, hey, Paul just, just knocked it out of the park again. He's my best person. You know, we didn't say anything to Paul, but <laughs> we thought it. <laughs> And right. the good, good thoughts not delivered mean squat. 
<laughs> well, I, I've certainly found that, you know, saying thank you, it can, actually saves companies a lot of money. To your point, if you feel thanked, you feel appreciated, you're not waiting for that annual increase to somehow justify your your job there, right? If you know you're liked and, and appreciated, uh, you do a good job. You do People do it for that reason more than they do for the paycheck, right? As long as you're paying people you know, somewhat fair, a fair wage. Competitively, um, yes. Yes, right. exactly. Then, then, then it, it means something to be thanked. Um, you know, and so th- that part's there, but I, I've also well, even, noticed- Even if you're not paying them, uh, you know, if, if the best you can, uh, the yeah. thanking goes a long way. And since it doesn't mm-hmm. cost anything, uh, you know, uh, why not do it, you know? And, and so I, I would encourage anyone, as, as you said, as well, to get in the game and to do it and, and to make a habit of it. Find, you know, before you go home and, you know, before the end of your day, Think about what went well today and who was responsible and who finished a project, who delighted a customer and just you know, send them an email or if they're physically write them a note, on, leave it on their desk. Um, very simple things can go a long, long way to feeling mm-hmm. valued. And, and that's what brings the best out of people, especially if, if you do that as a sustained way. That's what makes, a, makes mm-hmm. you a magnet for talent because everyone wants to work for the, the manager that's that's good at doing those things at, at thinking of the best interest of their employee and, you know, where they're headed in their career, where they want to do next. Are they learning now? Are they excited about the job now? And if not doing something about it, um, that's, that's where it all starts and many ways ends. <laughs> if you do right. it, you're a great manager. Most employees say they, you know, they only have one out of every four or five managers they'll have in their life. They feel are a good manager. Well, and you brought up this word, you know, the word manager a few times. And I, and I did want to sort of make sure, um, bring up this other point, which is I have found in my organizations and the best ones that we've studied, that it's not the, only the manager's job to say thank you, that the culture should be built in such a way that if I see someone do something great, even though I'm not their boss, right, we should stand up and say thank you. We should stand up and appreciate them. And the culture should be about thanking everyone, not just you know, when it's, when it's top down all the time, then it's, I don't know, it just doesn't quite feel like it, it has that long yeah. lasting power. I agree completely. It's, if it's part of the culture, then it's anyone's ability to do that. And they could thank a, a coworker, which can be as powerful as from a manager. A lot of times a coworker knows better what the person was up against. And so right. th- that's very, it could be an upper manager. Uh, and that's great when that happens. It could be a, a customer, you know, it, it mm-hmm. uh, can come from any direction. And the best, the best cultures of recognition um, work in, in all those aspects. How can we increase connections between people? If, if, you, if you take the time to move in that direction, create a culture of recognition, research indicates employees will feel five times more likely to feel valued. They'll be six times more likely to recommend the organization as a great place to work seven times more likely to stay working for that organization and 11 times more committed to their job, to their manager, to the mission of the organization. Powerful right. results for, for things that for the most part don't cost any money and take a little time. Just take a little, a little thought, maybe a little forethought, uh, a little acting in the moment or having a plan, you know, as I said, at the end of the day or, or at the end of the week uh, to, to make it, to work it into your schedule uh, with those, or, or, or for example, at the beginning of a meeting, is a great a great place to take a moment uh, before we get a launch to talk about um, what's going well. You know, I worked with ESPN and a manager there said, whenever we start a meeting, we do the same thing. We, we start with five things that are going well. And usually it's pretty easy, but sometimes it's not because things aren't going well, but we never skip that step because it's our home room. It's our touchstone that allows us to take on the next obstacle. That's a great way to, to look at it or to even on Zoom, if you got a meeting on Zoom with your, your people, to do a praise barrage every now and then, which is a simple activity that uh, you don't even have to be face-to-face. You, you know, you can do it electronically and just say, hey, before we get dig into the agenda, let's go around the group. And as I call someone's name, i like everyone else to, to say what they most value about working with that person. Let's start with Tony. Okay, how about Mary? How about Sally? And, and, and five, 10 minutes later, you got people have gotten real feedback about how others see them and what they're good at in their job. That both makes them feel good. And I guarantee you, whatever they've been called out for, they will do more of. Because what right. gets 
what gets recognized gets repeated. It's a fundamental, um, most powerful principle of management. And and building it in is so important. Having that strategy, having that place, that ESPN example is perfect, right? We have this benchmark thing that we do that we know we can rely on that, right? And, and, And what my warning, I guess, would be to leaders is that what we have also discovered over the years is that when people aren't getting this, when they aren't getting recognized, and when they aren't getting thanked, they don't come to you and say, uh, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Leader. I'm, you know, unhappy because you're not like me. No, they just leave. Yes. Right. Yes. They, they go get another job. And they they meet, they leave mentally first. You know, first of all, right. they, everyone's excited to start a new job and new opportunities and new people and stuff. And then over time, <laughs> they get the real lay of the land, and they 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 get cut off in a meeting or they get someone else get credit for work they did or and then as you do that you chip away at their self-esteem and eventually get to the point where this isn't the place for me and then depending on the economy and and timing of leaving maybe they'll still stay longer because the commute's not bad you know but they eventually you know you, you lose them mentally first before you lose them physically and for a lot of you know younger employees and the millennial generation makes up two thirds of the workforce right now across America they already start with one foot out the door. They've got their resume out there and they get pinged if someone looks at it. <laughs> you know, so they're not, they're not going to be committed until you show you're committed to them. You know, the average tenure of a millennial is 18 months. <laughs> That's a big shift for, I work with a lot of companies like in manufacturing or, or, or fortune 500 companies that the tenure might be 25 years or 30 years. And well, if you're, you know, get ready for 18 months, which means we're going to have a revolving door. We're going to be hiring all the time and train all the time and never hard to get to the work done. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it just, I guess it goes back to, you know, what kind of environment do you want and are you treating the people the way you wish you were treated? Right. Yes. Uh, Yes. Or even better than that, treating them the way that they want to be treated. So a lot of times managers well-intended do the things that they think, you know, that they'd like. And often there's a disconnect with, with, uh, you know, the the people they're trying to motivate. So give you an example and don't have to look hard to find them. I worked at a company where the CEO was a big golfer. So we were going to do a a company outing and it was, guess what? We're all going to go golfing. (laughs) And for him, it's another day on the links. For everyone else, they're going, I don't have the clothes to wear. I'm going to look silly. I can't golf, you know. And, and it's a miserable, miserable time. And, uh, you know, the CEO is kind of oblivious. That's, well, why, you know, why, why not uh, take time to do something that's more meaningful and to do what they want to do and, and, and help them uh, set the agenda? Uh, the best management is what you do with people, not what you do to them. Yeah, I don't think that's a, I mean, if you, if you as a leader know, like, hey, we need to get together. First thing you need to do is say, hey, who would like to plan this, right? Let, let somebody raise their hand and say, oh, that sounds like awesome. I'd, lo- I'd love planning things like this. Great. A couple people get together. You guys decide what we're going to do. Figure out what everybody wants. Yeah. Right. And, and those things always go really well. Um, and it's much and, better. Yeah. And they could, they could use uh, social media tools to find the best timing and to survey the population as to what people most want. Yeah. I, I've got an example in the, in the fun book about a, a CEO that did that. He, he never quite, never quite worked what he picked and he gave it to another executive to do that and same results. And finally he found a, a, a younger person, a millennial who was real excited about the project and, and they end up doing something they never did before. And people loved it. It was, they did a medieval, you know, night out the medieval, you know, dinner and jousting and the kids loved mm-hmm. it. The families loved it. And it was, it was a, a winning strategy that, that, that he, he loosened up his control and allowed someone else that's better at that. I mentioned millennials and what we find again, why this book is especially relevant is 59% of millennials expect to have fun at work. Mm. <laughs> and so if it's not having, you know, maybe you have older employees that didn't expect it to be a fun place to work. You know, they're glad they got a paycheck and uh, you know, but a younger employee, they, they want to have connection and excitement and learning. And if that's not happening, they're, they're going to be leaving sooner rather than later. And now that's probably more important than ever, because if your organization does need to be back together or you're not able to offer hybrid or flexible work, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for remote and being remote first, but I know that's not going to be for every company. So the idea of going back into the office where are, are people vaccinated? Are they going to be safe? 
do I want to be in this cubicle farm? Do I want to be smelling someone's terrible leftovers in the microwave again at lunch? Like there's a lot of like really bad human activity that we sort of escape by being at home. Right. But if you're going to be back in, do you suggest they need to, you know, build in some new sets of of places to have fun, to be able to, to, to sort of change that dynamic? I do. I do that. You need to have it. uh, First, first of all, you know, 71% 71% of the workforce worked remotely over the pandemic. Uh, of those 65% said they, they don't want to go back. It's kind of been delayed and pushed back now to early next year for a lot of companies. And, and a, a surprising number of, of uh, some 65% of those people say that, that if forced to come back to work full time, they're going to quit and find another job. So uh, they, it's been you know, the great rec- uh, re-reckoning or the, the great, uh, it's been called different things, but the great resignation that people are had a lot of time to think and whatever they do going forward, they, they want it to be different than what they were doing, you know, before the pandemic. And, and so it's giving them a chance to, to reassess. And, and some people are doing that for more money. Uh, a lot of people are doing that because they weren't excited about what they were doing. And they, they, you know, life, life here, we just lost, uh, coming up on seven or 50,000 Americans from the pandemic, you know, gee, you know, for those of us that are left, this makes the time meaningful to us and, and not just go through the motions. So, uh, and, and it's going to be hard for anyone to get people to commute two hours a day again. (laughs) It's, it doesn't make sense. And so even like Apple computer where they, they told everyone, uh, yeah, we're, we're coming back to the office. And the mistake they made is they let off by saying, we know you're all anxious to get back to the office. And their employees just in arms went said, we are not anxious to get back to the office. <laughs> and you're, you're tone deaf to even say that. And, and you know, at least ask us first. And, and so they, they initially said, well, everyone's got to be back uh, three days a week. And now they've loosened up on that. And, you know, that might make sense to come back some for physical meetings, but everyone's been using Zoom pretty well. So maybe there's some right. Zoom fatigue. Uh, and so you should, you should shake it up some. But um, for the most part, I think we showed that, that it, it, it works at a distance. There's done. a yeah. long time coming where it was, it was coming. And, and the number of people that are trying uh, hybrid stuff was going up. But now it's, there's no more experiment. We know, we know it works, you know? And so if you're, you know, the New York city uh, banking industry and Citibank and uh, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley, and they said, no, everyone has to come back. The, the CEO of, of Morgan Stanley said, if you can go out to, eat, to dinner in New York city, you can come to the office and then done discussion is done. And, and right. so that, you know, I guess if you pay people enough, you can make them do anything, but uh, and at the same time, some a million people have, have moved out of New York City. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. Well, most, because... it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. That's for sure. And it is. But, it uh, is. Dr. Bob, we are we are at the end of our time here. It's gone by so quickly. I want to make sure I ask the most important question, which is how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in finding out more? Sure. Well, I've got a, a website www.drbobnelson.com. That's D-R-B-O-B-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Discusses my services, all the presentations I do, all my books um, at discounted rates, better than Amazon. So that would be probably the best way. My contact information, everything. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I definitely want to make sure we get to have you come back because there's so much we didn't even dive into yet. So love to have you back on the show at some point. I would love to do that, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in our second guest. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. I'm leaving. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence. Hi there. Not yesterday's news. My brother, we'll start one Our second. added approach offers you a fully FCRA compliant solution that includes up to the minute information. 
By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now. Delivered How do I pronounce your last name correctly? Or integrated with your Matt, HR system. Mattison? So ask yourself, are you Mattison. comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Dr. Bob Nelson, you can get his interview on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Spotify or Stitcher. Or don't forget, we're now live streaming on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're everywhere. So uh, you can catch us wherever you'd like. My next guest I'm excited to bring in is Roberta uh, Matchison, uh, the talent. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I'm probably, I'm getting the nod. I'm getting the nod. All right, we're good. We're good. Uh, a talent uh, maximizer. Uh, Roberta is president of uh, Matchison Consulting and a strategic advisor on talent, a global executive coach, and a public speaker helping organizations attract and retain the best talent. Sounds like exactly the kind of person's right up our alley. So welcome to the show today, Roberta. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about you and the work that you do? What's important for us to know about you for our conversation today? Well, it's important to know that my new book, Can We Talk? Seven Principles for Managing Difficult Conversations at Work, just released. I'm really Yay. excited about it. Yay. It's my sixth book and uh, maybe my best. Wow. Well, ho- hopefully every book gets better. I mean, I know my second book, I felt you know like I did even a better job than my first. You kind of learn as you go along, but uh, c- congratulations. I know what a Sweet moment that is when it's finally out and now you don't have to worry about it anymore. You have to worry about new things, but that is done, right? It's off, <laughs> off, off, off your mind. So, <laughs> well, I, if you, as you, as you probably know, since you've written books, um, now comes the fun part, right? Getting the word out, getting the word out. And I find that to be for me a lot more fun than the writing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, about your seven principles for managing difficult conversations? I know that was something I was really fascinated to talk to you about and having difficult conversations with people, whether that's important things or maybe that's with difficult people or maybe that's about important topics. But I find successful leaders, successful organizations seem to know how to get in there and talk about that stuff that's uncomfortable, right? And those that are struggling or have a revolving door of talent, it's like they never talk about anything important. It's always the, you know, top layer stuff. So how do we get into this, you know, really dealing with difficult conversations? Well, I think the more comfortable we get with how to have a difficult conversation, the more apt we are to start having those conversations rather than ignoring them which is why um, a number of companies have been bringing me in to teach their employees the principles. How do you structure a conversation like this? How do you start the conversation? How do you keep it going? How do you know when it's over? I mean, there's just, there's a lot to unpack. And so I find that what typically happens is, and you alluded to this uh, just a minute or two ago, is that we say nothing because we don't know what to say. And we hope and we pray that things, it's its just going to go away, right? The yeah. problem is going to go away <laughs> and rarely does it. Right. It doesn't. In fact, I think it gets worse, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. It's, it's like, it's like the leaky faucet, right? I mean, eventually it's going to get to you, it gets bigger and it gets bigger and your house can be underwater if you never fix it. So, you know, it's, it's, it, I, 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 I don't know. It's a bit like ripping off a bandaid or something. You don't have to use too many metaphors, but you know, it's like, you just got to get in there and you got to get it done. And, and so I know for me, I'd love to hear some of your ideas. Sometimes I like to just write out, what are a couple of the questions I want to ask? What are a couple of the, what's the outcome maybe I want from this conversation? Um, and then you just sort of start with that. I feel like if you have a starting point for the conversation. You can a have it and B, it tends to go a little bit better. Um, and maybe even writing down a few like, geez, I'm really worried this person's going to say this, or they're going to react this way. And if they do, then like, okay, how am I going to react? What am I going to say? Right. And sort of creating a little bit of a framework. I don't like to go too far because I think you can overmap a conversation and get too rigid and about where it may go. But 
think sometimes for people, like a little bit of planning can help them be prepared for a, a tough conversation. Well, what else should we be thinking about? Or I mean, maybe you agree or disagree with that, but. Well, I definitely agree with planning. And what winds up happening all too often is the person who is starting the conversation has no idea what the results are they're hoping to achieve, right? And so when you're in the middle of this conversation, you don't even know if you've come to mutual agreement because you don't even know what it is that you really wanted to have happen. And usually it's more than, I just want to get this off my chest. And I too believe in preparation, but I also believe that over-preparation can be deadly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I recommend to my coaching clients that they go in, um, that they, you know, write down what their point is, where, what the objective is, and then, um, you know, take notes and, and make notes of, you know, the key talking points and bring your notes into the meeting and say to the other person, listen, this is a really important conversation. Um, I've been giving this a lot of thought. I've written some notes down. Feel free to take notes as well, because I know this might be the first time you're hearing this, but you know, I have them and I'm going to refer to them. And then you don't have to be worried about, you know, getting the Academy Award for memorizing this script (laughs) created in your head, because the biggest challenge, and I talk about this in the book, is that, you know, we're so busy thinking of, okay, what am I going to say next? That we're not even listening. Right. So I'll give you an example. Um, I was recently talking to my son, who is a senior in college, and I said, you know, Zach, this is a really good time for you to start thinking about your job search. And, you know, I do know a little bit about that since I help companies acquire and retain talent. And then I went on and said, like, you know, 10 more lines. And in the middle of all that, he said the following. He said, you know, mom, you're right. I was so busy talking. I just kept going. And then like, you know, two minutes later, I'm like, wait a minute. Did you just say you're right? He was like, yes. (laughs) You know, so here I am, like I, I wrote the book on this and even I have to practice. And so I'm encouraging your listeners to really, really listen deeply and don't have like a next line prepared because you could present the situation and the other person could say, hey, you know what? You're absolutely right. And, and that's, it's so important. I mean, you know, I've often used this uh, single like one line where maybe I, sometimes in an, a conversation with someone at the beginning of a relationship, sometimes if I feel like maybe there's a difficult conversation coming, I'll just ask them like, what's the most important thing that you want to get out of this call? And I'm always shocked. Sometimes they're like, well, I need, you need to know that I'm upset about blah, 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 blah. Okay. Clearly that, or I just need you to know, like to tell me what to do on this thing. And I'm good. Like, oh, so we're not going to have a typical conversation. Like you just need to know this one thing and you're happy. Like I was making this all in my head, you know? And so are, are there other signs that maybe people ought to be looking for, uh, that might cue them to, you know, there might be a difficult conversation coming. Uh, their way that maybe they get ready for. Sure. Um, If they have a boss who's, who's very open and um, is constantly in touch with them. And then all of a sudden they don't hear from them for days, weeks, you know, and then they'll text Mm. their boss and their boss isn't very responsive. And they'll say to their coworker, you know, Hey, have you noticed our boss isn't very responsive these days? And they're like, no, you know, she gets back to me like right away. And right. that's probably because your boss has something that she wants to tell you and she's not quite sure how to do it or she's avoiding you until she figures it out. So that is definitely a sign that a conversation might be coming your way. Right, right. Yeah, suddenly a change in behavior that's not explaining. Your boss isn't not ill or not having something, you know, that would explain it. Yeah, and I've noticed that with, you know, inside of teams, right? Where they'll say, geez, I was doing great with my team and all of a sudden, now I'm not in as many conversations I'm being asked. They're avoiding a difficult conversation. They're avoiding telling you you keep missing deadlines or you talk too much in meetings or <laughs> exactly. whatever it is. So you're right? no longer on the inside, you're on the outside. Yeah, yeah. 
it, you know, are there, are there other factors? Is it, you know, I, I, that maybe might be contributing to some of that, like, you know, stress on the organization if we're growing too fast or uh, sure. we have, a, we have a pandemic, you know, what, what else, you know, <laughs> might be happening? Well, that's why I suggest that you don't run too many scripts through your head because, you know, okay, so we just said that, okay, maybe your boss isn't as responsive to you. And so now, of course, we're thinking the worst, right? And now we've confirmed it because we asked our coworker and everything's fine with them. And the reality is, is that maybe our boss has just gotten some uh, bad news or our boss is overwhelmed and has gotten more projects and less staff or somebody just gave notice. And so it's really not about us, right? But it doesn't hurt to reach out to your boss and say, you know, hey, listen, um, I, I feel like there's something going on here between us and I can't quite pinpoint it. Am I, as, are my feelings accurate or is there anything I need to know about? And, you know, your boss might say, no, actually everything's fine. I've just had a lot of work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, bringing that up and clearing the air, I think is really important because you could drive yourself crazy. Right, right. I know uh, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really can. And sometimes it's, well, I would say probably most of the time, it's usually something pretty simple, right? A small disagreement, a small misunderstanding, a small misinterpretation, and we just avoid um, you know, I mean, how many times have we had a, a, a silly argument with a friend or a spouse and th it turned into this big, long thing. And it, if we had just said, Hey, I'm sorry. Or, Hey, can we talk about this for two minutes? All of that could have gone away. Right. Um, but then they make one little mistake, like, you know, putting the fork in the wrong slot in the, right. in the draw. And all of a sudden we let loose. Right. It's World War three. And you're like, this just a, fork and you're like anyone who's married knows it's never just about the fork no, it's never right. about the fork. <laughs> <laughs> but at work it doesn't it won't seem to have quite that clarity right it seems like it's uh shouldn't be that way and yet yet it is um you know have you seen some of this change as there's been more remote work uh over the last year and a half Yes, I think there's a lot of unsaid conversations. And I think we're going to see a lot of explosions when people do eventually get back into the office. Because, you know, at that point, we're just going to let it rip. Right, right. Or maybe we're less likely, I'm wondering if we're people going to be less likely to put up with some of the things they put up with before that knowing so. at home, right at home that they didn't have to worry about the thermostat being freezing or they didn't have to worry about someone microwaving fish at lunch and smelling up the whole office or whatever, like annoying thing that they didn't like, are they going to be more likely to get upset? Now, upset to the, what you're talking about, is there a difficult conversation to have? I mean, passive aggressively not mentioning it, but then it might be an explosion later on. Yes. What, what would be fascinating to, I guess, to see what's going to end up happening. <laughs> yes, yes. But in any case, I mean, look, there's just, you know, the studies are, have been done and they're very, very consistent that all of these unsaid conversations are costing companies millions, if not billions of dollars, because, right. you know, you and I are spending our energy like, oh my gosh, right? We're not doing our work because we're so mad about what Bob just did. And we're not going to tell Bob because we don't like confrontation. And then, you know, Bob wants us to do something and we're not going to do it because, he just ticked us off. And so rather than just getting everything out on the table and talking through some things that need to be said, we're just stuffing them away, right? Right, right. And, and, and that's not good for anybody because either they're going to leave or you're going to you know, find a reason to get rid of them. And you may have this great person there and it's just a bad, you know, we took a bad step in the wrong direction and we can fix that. Well, you know, um, I'm glad you brought up the topic of leaving because I recently did a project for a client who all of a sudden had a spike in employee turnover, very high spike, um, and it was a call center. And so you could say, well, you know, there's always high turnover in a call center, but this mm -hmm. was even higher. It was very unusual. And rather than putting their head in the sand, they said, you know what, we need to find out what's going on. And so all those people who had written in their exit interviews, you know, they were leaving for a better opportunity. Well, it turns out that really wasn't the whole story. 
And the information that I got from those employees and that I fed back to that organization in the beginning was pretty startling. Man, they're having a completely different conversation now. Now, now that they know what's going on, they're making changes and they are already seeing that their turnover has dramatically dropped. So just by talking about these things and saying, wow, we had no idea you were frustrated by you know, the following is making a huge difference. Yeah, and, and, and it really can, um, I guess, change the trajectory, right? For, I think of how much institutional knowledge a company can lose with a spike like that, uh, the kind of money they're gonna have to spend to try to recruit and go get new people, um, you know, and, and, it, and it can start with such a small thing. Um, yes, I mean, one of the small things was, uh, this is just an example, this particular company um, was helping vendors with process credit cards, right? And these people in the call center were supposed to be helping them if there was a problem with the device. But none of these people had the devices. Mm. <laughs> so they couldn't even physically like, go, okay, well, if you do this, this is going to happen. And these, you know, if you know anyone in customer service, they go into these roles because they want to be helpful, not because they want to feel, you know, like inadequate. And many of these people were just frustrated. They could not help the client. So they left. Yeah. And that's often uh, the reverse of that, right? Is to, when we can show employees how their work did help someone, did help the client, did help a fellow employee. It's an incredible way to, to help, I guess, create goodwill amongst the organization, to help them feel thanked and appreciated, but to know that like, hey, Sometimes you got to put up with a, you know, with a mound of crap to get to the good thing in the end, right? And I think organizations forget to share the good thing that happened, the good outcome um, from all of that hard work, from some of that misery, from some of those difficult conversations, right? Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we forget about in difficult conversations and employees is that... the I mean, all the books and the consultants and other, they tend, it's like, there's always a magic, you know, wand, or there's always this magical thing that can happen and you can make that relationship better. But honestly, I think sometimes that's not the case, right? Sometimes we do need to break up with that friend or that employee. And it's, if they cannot change, if we cannot find that agreement, then we need to move on from them because they don't, represent what's important, you know, to our lives or to our organization. So how, how, how do we go about that? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I completely agree. I mean, I've learned over the years that you can't want more for someone than they want for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so in Can We Talk, I give um, a number of scenarios on how to have those conversations around, you know, hey, it looks like we're going to be parting ways here. And I'm a huge proponent of doing it in a very respectful way, regardless of what went down before this conversation. And in doing so, you'd be surprised. I mean, I've had people many times actually thank me on the way out, you know? Mm. So this isn't, this isn't one of those zero-sum games where, well, if you win, I lose, you know? <laughs> and I always say to my clients, I'm like, look, if you can give... Look, the, what is the goal here, right? The goal is to transition someone out of the organization. So why do you care whether you fire them or they quit? So if in, you're in this conversation and you have an opportunity to give them a chance to resign, why not, right? They get to go home. They get to tell their family, oh, I just quit my job. There's no embarrassment. You have the person off the payroll. You don't have to deal with them. It's like a win, win, win. But all too often I see managers, they're like, I'm going to prove like you didn't do your job. I'm going to nail you. <laughs> and then it becomes explosive. And usually what follows that very often is a lawsuit, right? Because I'm going to prove you shouldn't have fired me. So right. I'm of the mindset, like, let's see if we can just part friends. Let's give yeah, and, and even if it's not friends, it's just, hey, this isn't working for you. It's not working for us. Right. And you, and, you, and you do it right away. To your point, if you're going to try to watch them and find something, you're going to spend months 
trying to find that perfect moment. Oh, I got you. Right. That's a right. bit, there's just a blend the lines of like, are you trying to get rid of them? Are you bullying them? Are you singling them out? And then that to your point can lead to other outcomes like lawsuits and things like that, where there's a bit, you know, a pattern of behavior that didn't make any sense. Right. That and that's person. why it's so important to be clear on your objectives. So when you're having a difficult conversation about a performance situation, is your objective to help that person, you know, improve? Or are you really going through the steps to exit them out of the organization? Because that's a very different, different conversation. Right. Now, earlier you said we, we can't want more for someone than what they want for the, themselves. And, and often it's hard for us to even go to them and say, this is what you need to do. This is what you should do. Um, you know, the, the best ideas that people can hear or, or, or digest are the ones they think they thought of themselves often, right? Where they think it's their idea uh, and, and suddenly they're willing to do it. So that kind of puts us in as, leader, in, as leaders in this position of influencing, right? As opposed to telling or preaching or demanding. So what are some of the techniques that you might suggest we think about if we want to better influence people in a positive way? Well, we always have to think about you know, why would that person comply with our request? What's in their best interest? I mean, if they did something in a certain way, would that allow them to end their workday early and make it to their kid's softball game? I mean, mm -hmm. that would be a motivator, right? Would that allow them to be considered for the next promotion? Hey, that would motivate me. So, you know, everyone's different. And if we think about what is it that if I, if I can help them improve in this area and they can get this and whatever this is, then they'll be that much better off and including that in your conversation. Yeah, and, and, and that can be, um, like I said, we're, we're sort of asking people to think about and we're getting them to, to stretch where they think their minds can go. It's so much better than just, I guess, demanding. I mean, I've had, I think about some of my best bosses Right. They were they were nudging me and pushing me gently to, to think about doing good things. Um, and my worst bosses were just don't do this. Don't do that. You have to do this. You have to. That was so rigid. It was so black and white. Right. Uh, where you felt like you had no you had no say you had no control. You had no part in even what your job was supposed to be, um, mm -hmm. which gets away from autonomy. That gets away from, uh, I, I guess, us just wanting to take a a better interest in our, in our jobs, in our work, in our lives. Um, I guess, what about the opposite, right? What happens if we're now find ourselves in more of the uh, explosive conversation category? <laughs> or the well, I just, yeah, I want to go back for a moment because this conversation reminded me of a time when I really had to influence an employee and she was a tough cookie. And, you know, she would come to work dressed like she was going out for the evening. And that didn't really work in a very conservative firm. And I knew she really wanted to get promoted. And so I had to have a conversation with her that was not an easy one. Um, I was 24 years old. I was the head of HR. I was an executive. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I figured out a way to make it work. And I basically said to her, listen, I, you know, your clothing and the way you come, you know, you show up for work isn't really working in our environment. And I know that you want to be taken seriously. You've talked with me about wanting to be promoted, but the signals that you're sending off here are not going to get you promoted. So let's talk about maybe some more appropriate clothing to wear in the office and then we can also talk about what other opportunities you want to achieve while you're with the mm -hmm. firm. And man, you know, she was like, well, thank you. No one has ever really said that to me. And yeah, it was hard for her to hear, but you know, she took it to heart and, you know, six months later she was promoted. Yeah. I, and, and I think people, most people really appreciate you coming to them and having that blunt conversation. I've, I've had to tell people, uh, you have bad breath and I care about you and you need to, you need to fix this, right? It is a problem. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who's, you know, a pretty good coach and she kept telling, she said, I don't understand. If I meet someone online, I meet them on zoom or whatever. We end up getting, I think we have a great relationship, but if I meet him in person, I have a hard time closing the deal. And she was, can you help me understand why? And I said, no, I know exactly why. Interesting. And she said, why? And I'm like, cause your perfume is so overwhelming. Wow. You know, and she was like, really? It is? And I'm like, it's, it's, 
it's up there. Like, <laughs> and like, like, how come you never said anything? And like, you know, it, I'm not I'm a guy. What am I supposed to say? I, you know, I, I just, I did never feel like the right in here. You're asking me. So now I feel like, great. It's an opportunity for me to tell you this. And she came back like three months later and said, I totally changed it. I asked around, you weren't the only one who gave me that. And I've now been able to lay it, you know, my meeting people, I'm, I'm having better interaction. Great. Right. That has significant impact to her income, right? right. To her ability that, to build a business. That had to be hard for you. Right. Cause you're oh. like, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> uh, and I've had it. Some people that didn't appreciate it, that didn't take it well. And I just think, you know what, there's, I, I would hope someone would say it to me, even if they don't handle it well, you know, you they need to hear from somebody. Um, and I don't know, it just, and I feel like a lot of times I have that position where people do come to me for advice. Mm -hmm. So I have that door has now been opened <laughs> and like, well, you asked for advice. Here it is. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure you want to hear it? <laughs> I completely get that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the hardest one is if they haven't opened that door and you feel like, geez, I really need to tell it. And I think that was the problem with the second one I gave the door had never been opened where I felt like I was in the right place to, to, to give that advice until she actually asked me, um, you know, are, are there other ways for us to, to deal with that? If, if we're not sure someone's going to be completely open to that, is it just trying to have that open well, conversation? Honestly, I'm like, you know, I'm from New York, so I'm direct. So I'll just yeah. ask you, are you open to some feedback? Right. If you say no, then I'm like, okay. Right. Of right. course, I'll go home and go, oh, I can't believe they wouldn't let me tell them. <laughs> but, um, but if they say yes, then I'm like, you know, here's what I've noticed. Right. And, you know, I, again, I think it's always great. And I talk about this in the book to really support it with backup and not just say, you know, you're always late. Well, no, that's not always, I'm not always late. I was on time like uh, July 10th. <laughs> so, you know, to say, look, in the last week, you know, on this date, this date, in this date, you had me hanging on Zoom for like eight minutes, 10 minutes before you even right. showed up. Like that's not working for me. Right. Right. So yeah, you have to have examples instead of just trying to say, well, you know, you do this, you do that. So it's always better if you can have specifics. So if they say, well, what do you mean? You're not caught off guard. Like, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, our, we're at the end here. I want to make sure we ask the most important question for you, which is how can people find out more about you, get a hold of you, find your books? Where's the best place for them to go and look? Well, they can come to my website, Matchison, M-A-T-U-S-O-N, consulting.com. They can go onto Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Goodreads, wherever they buy books and download or buy the book or the audio, um, or they can send me an invitation on LinkedIn and mention that they heard me on your show and I'd be delighted to accept their invite. Well, I, certainly I know I've learned a lot and I'm hoping our uh, listeners will have learned a lot from you on how to have these difficult conversations and I'll check out your book. Uh, and I would love to have you come back, hopefully maybe next year, and we can keep the conversation going and, and continue helping everyone learn about how to do this better. So thank I'd you so that. much. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to uh, today's conversation. And hopefully you've gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. Thank you.